Christmas has come early this year, guys. It's time once again for an unwrapping episode here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Everybody, it is time once again for Attack of the Killer Podcast. I'm your host, Insane Mike. This is episode 243, another one of our famous unwrapping episodes. Oh, they're so famous. All of us are horror nerds, and we still buy Blu-rays and DVDs. Well, I still buy DVDs. I think everybody else has given up on DVDs. Just do the Blu-rays or the HDs or the one, two, threes. Um, <laughs> Betamax. But, so old. And we have, we all have movies Filthy. within our collection that we've bought and are just sitting on our shelves forever unwrapped and unwatched. So an unwrapping episode is when each of us will take a movie out of our collection that we have bought for whatever reason, um, but have never unwrapped. And have never watched. And he's so. right. We all do it. So fess up. Right. Admit it. Admit it. You're guilty too. No, I think Godzilla watches all of those Dollar Tree Blu-rays. There's no <laughs> chance he There's has time, time for that. Yeah. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to Attack of the Killer podcast. Welcome. What you are about to hear will blow your mind. Help. Not really, but what you are about to hear is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends, we get together, we pick a topic, and we talk about films within that topic. This time, we're discussing movies that are in our collection, collecting dust uh, on our movie shelves. So uh, we have done several of these unwrapping episodes. I lost count. Yep. Um, And so we've done these episodes as a means to rationalize buying the movies in the first place. We speak open and freely, so there will be spoilers, and that's all the warning warning you're going to get. It's it. <laughs> now, if you like the show, you should consider supporting us, and so we can buy even more movies we won't watch. That money doesn't go to that. Oh, okay. But your support does go back into the show, for reals. I mean, I can show you the books if you don't believe me. We don't have books. <laughs> when you become a supporter of the show, you become a member of an elite class known as the Attackers. And when you become an Attacker, not only can you park anywhere you want, you can also get all kinds of extra content not available to the normal listener. You can get bonus episodes, different our different video series such as video updates and St. Mike's One Minute Top Ten list, killer critiques. There are t-shirts, membership cards, certificates, stickers, original art by me, where I draw you as a monster of my choice called Mikey's Monsters. All that and so much more. Check it out for yourself at jointheattackers.com. There you can pick the tier. To get the perks that you want. It's so simple. Just go to jointheattackers.com and sign up to be an attacker. Again, that site is jointheattackers.com. There's another perk out there that I didn't mention. 
um, you get to uh, do a video hangout with us once a month. Oh, they're so fun. Show and tells where we kind of just show off stuff in our collections and or recent purchases and whatnot. It is a lot of fun. We get a lot of the attackers on there for that, and it's a good time. Um, so with that said, you're not going to get any of my references as I introduce you to the podcast crew. I often told him he needs to learn how to do more delegation, but when he has someone else show off his newest items for his pop collection on our monthly show and tell, I don't think he took delegate. I think he took the delegation a bit too far. Jason, everybody. Hey, how's it going? Thanks everyone for tuning in. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for listening. His bank account is grateful that the Spirit of Halloween stores are not open all year round. <laughs> Tad! <laughs> what Jason said. <laughs> hey! We learned from Sunday's show and tell that this guy's denim jacket has pins like three boobed women and Crispin Glover getting screwed. <laughs> Andy! <laughs> I knew that before Sunday. It's, yeah, yeah that's, this is true. Uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And now, ladies and gentlemen... <gasps> He's back, and he's one bad mother. He's so badass that COVID got vaccinated to keep from getting him. That's right. The one, the only, Brian freaking Clark. Hey, everybody. It's great to be back. Godzilla, Doctor Who, exploitation movies, Funko Pops suck. I think that about covers it. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I got that out of the way. That's good. (laughs) Awesome. Brian, hey, buddy. What hey. you doing? I was sitting around waiting for you fuckers to call me on the phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you open that new Grimlock yet? It's the wrong time. I know. Wrong show. Wrong show. I did. I was, I was texting you about it <laughs> I when I was doing it. That's true. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here. We missed you, buddy. Yes, we totally uh, missed, missed you guys, too. Aw. Okay, everybody out there. What is Shudder? It's a premium streaming <laughs> video service for any and all types of horror fans. Shudder has the best selection of all things horror. Different series, movies, documentaries, podcasts, so much great content. You can stream Shudder just about anywhere. If you watch your stuff on your iPhone, Roku, Xbox, Android devices, you can get all of your horror needs with Shudder. What are you waiting for? Sign up for Shutter today. It's great. You don't have to. You don't. What? You don't trust me? Have I ever lied to you before? Oh God. Well, I'm not lying this time. Uh, but if you won't take my word for it, how about you try a month of Shutter for free and judge for yourself? Attack of the Killer Podcast loves you so freaking much. We're gonna give you a month of Shutter for free. So check it out by entering our promo code. AOTKP, you'll get that month for free. You'll get hooked. You'll need your fix. You'll sign up for Shutter. You'll be a better person for it. Again, that promo code is AOTKP. Let's <sighs> see. Uh, I'm cursed. yelling at people. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just so, I'm so angry. <laughs> I think so I'm distressed. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Well, because currently I'm baking a cake, so I need to, I need to go get my frosting on. So I'm going to turn things over to Tad with what we watched. What we watched. I know I didn't get a whole lot watched, but the things I did watch, 
are um, very exciting. So I I was going to jump in front of everybody and just be mm-hmm. rude, but um, I'm going to say guess first. Brian, what have you watched recently? Well, it's been like a year since I've been here, so buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, just jump around a couple of highlights. Uh, the rebuild of Evangelion, the four movies, they finally, uh, Hideaki Anno finally made the fourth one. And it came out on Amazon Prime, so I decided to just watch them all at once since I had been waiting to have them all available before I started down that road. I don't know if any of you are Neon Genesis Evangelion fans, Um, but they were interesting. I liked a lot of the stuff they did. There was a lot of changing in the the way the story was told, Um, but the end was kind of stupid. So there's that. (laughs) Uh, It It happens. Watched a crazy-ass Italian horror movie called Spider Labyrinth that got brought up a while back on another one of your network shows, Unsung Horrors, which is an awesome show. Oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. No wonder that title sounded familiar. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I just I was just thinking about that movie. And, uh, wow, it's wacky. It's kind of like a Ramsey Campbell novel come to life where it's this weird mystery that starts out seeming like it's just a mystery, and then it gets a little supernatural, and that gets a little more supernatural, and it gets creepier and creepier until it just goes completely batshit crazy at the end. And I won't tell you what happens because you really just need to see that shit cold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gendy Tartakovsky's primal. I don't know if there's any samurai Jack fans in the house, same okay. writer, animator, director. Uh, it's kind of like a cross between uh Ricardo Delgado's Age of Reptiles comics, where it's just completely visual storytelling with dinosaurs, but there's a human-ish viewpoint character, kind of a Robert E. Howard pre-verbal Conan the Barbarian type of guy. No dialogue at all in the show, just a lot of screaming and grunting and roaring. And it is one of the most beautiful, poignant things I've ever seen on television. It's fantastic. So check it out. Uh, HBO Max, Adult Swim. And, of course, there's got to be a Godzilla thing. There's a new anime, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Godzilla Singular Point. Uh, I was watching it as it came out from Japan's fan-subbed because I'm impatient. Um, but I couldn't wait to watch the dub on Netflix because it is super information-dense. It was written by an actual theoretical physicist. So the science is all real cutting-edge science, and it's crazy and hard to keep track of, but it's got a lot of cool new monster designs, a lot of callbacks to classic stuff. It's a feast for the eyes and the brain and Godzilla fans. It's great. Um, and then lastly, uh, it's not a movie thing, but it is horror related for the first time since the pandemic started and everything got locked down. I got to see some live music. Oh yeah. Um, I have a friend up in Minneapolis named Andrew and he has a death metal band called coagulate. And the whole theme of this band, all their lyrics and everything, are about Brian Lumley's Necroscope series of novels. Oh, wow. Um, And this was their first show since they put their demo and did a split with some other bands out. So this is their first show supporting actual recordings that you can have of them. Uh, It was their first big headliner show. It was the first show back from the pandemic. And it was awesome to go get to see my buddy, who I haven't seen in like two years, and listen to some kick-ass metal check out coagulate yeah, if you like death awesome. metal and even if you don't like death metal listen to him anyway 
<laughs> How long can they keep um, a theme going on, like, based on, like, novels? Like, well, considering there's, like, 13 of these fucking novels, quite a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Andy, what have you watched? Um. Well, other than... um. Catching up with The Walking Dead with the wife, you know, you know, grown. I, I've come this far. I'm just going to keep watching it until the bitter end. <laughs> um, but I I did catch uh, Jacob's Wife with uh, Barbara Crampton and absolutely loved it. Thought it was great. Yes. Very, very bloody. Uh, I was surprised to, to see uh, Philip Brooks, uh, CM Punk, was in this movie as a deputy. Yeah, and very small, I I, like cameo basically yeah I, I, at first i didn't recognize i only recognized him at the end because i didn't even recognize him when he had like the sunglasses on when they when they pulled uh larry fessenden over but uh that's a very that's a very fun movie i suggest you check that out i also yeah, I love that one watched um a movie from 2014 i think it's called wolves at the door and since I'm a sort of helter-skelter Charlie Manson kind of freak, a little bit. Uh, it's it's based on that, but and I use the word based because thank God I wasn't drinking when I was watching this because it's so factually wrong. It was just starting to piss me off, but uh, thank God like Katie Cassidy's like really, you know, pretty and nice to look at because she played Sharon Tate and uh, yeah, every I mean they got some things right but most of it was just it was just ass backwards what what they did but i mean if you just look at it from like uh like you don't know anything about it it's it's a decent movie so it's uh going off of hbo max here and you probably don't want to see it anyway so i'll move on um I I just finished, uh, and the last one I want to talk about is I just finished it uh, before the podcast. It's um, the Old Ways of on Netflix, and it's a Mexican uh, exorcism movie um, about this this girl that goes back to you know kind of where she she grew up, and she's not supposed to go to this one place uh, like La, La Boca, like the this these caverns, and she does get possessed by this certain kind of demon. And it's not your typical exorcism movie per se, because in all honesty, I thought it was really kind of tame. Um, there is a creepy old uh, bruja lady that looks, you know, she's like actually probably the most scary thing out of the out of the movie, and she's the one that's supposed to be helping her. Um, I won't elaborate much more. I mean, it's 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 well made and it's well done and it you, and it takes place like in this ramshackle shack, basically like in the middle of the jungle out, you know, in in Mexico. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's worth one watch as as a new movie. But yeah, it's it's not bad. But as far as exorcism movies go, it's it was pretty tame. I thought, but and that's what I watched. All right, Mike, what have you watched? I only got a couple things to talk about. Um, first off, finally, finally watched finally. it. And I and I didn't even I even missed it when you got when we did the uh um the viewing party for this movie. I didn't get to attend that one. Uh but I finally saw Dave made a maze. Yay! Oh my god. Uh, I I don't 
I don't know why I I, I wasn't I wouldn't say I was dragging my feet on it. I I just feel like I just been waiting for the the primo opportunity to watch it just because ever since I first saw the trailer, I just thought this movie was going to be amazing. And I was right. It is amazing. I freaking love it. It uses every, it's so imaginative and mm. I love the, 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 the set dressing, uh, with the, you love with cardboard. All this, I do love cardboard <clears throat> and I, I, I love like, what they do with lighting, what they do with effects, what they do with sound, what they do with music, everything is so is is it's so it's very sensory creative. overload. It's it's very, very creative. It's super funny. It really dips its toe in horror though, too. It 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 well because when I saw it was on shutter, I'm like, what really? But yeah, it's 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 there. there. It's there. And I, I love when people are killed and <laughs> Red confetti and streamers shoot out instead of blood, and it's yeah. it's just so so imaginative, so much fun. It it's I would have uh, the only thing that makes me mad about this movie is I didn't make it. That yep. it's a movie that uh, I would totally have made. Nick Thune is hilarious. And, yeah, and he was just in Davenport last uh, weekend. Oh, cool! For uh, alternating currents festival. Did nice. you end up going? I know you I did were, not. Yeah, no. I wish That's it was cool. like a Thursday night, and I had That's to work right. the next morning, so. So it's one of my new favorite movies. Yay. Yeah, finally. And then I won't dwell on it too much because Andy already brought it up. But I also too watched Jacob's Wife. Freaking loved it. Great, <laughs> great vampire movie. It. Uh, Wait, it's honestly, vampires? yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, it honestly did not go in the direction it was that I thought it was going to go. It was way more over the top. Can't not. I wouldn't say campy, but like monstrous type of vampires instead of like some slow burn. You know, like maybe like romantic, you know, romantic vampire story or something. It was, it was just a you know, a lot of fun. Really good movie. Barbara Crampton always is awesome. Uh, it's the least homeless looking Larry Fessenden I've ever seen. <laughs> Still looked homeless, just uh, slightly less. <laughs> I want to go back and change my answer from the uh, the bonus ode that. Um, I want to live in the universe where somebody who looks like Larry Fessenden can get somebody who looks like Barbara Crampton. I know, right? <laughs> that is the right answer. That is the right answer. Oh, what an episode that was! That bonus episode, man. Man, if you only if only you were an attacker and you could hear it. Oh wait, you can join the attackers dot com. So that's what I watched. All right, Jason. I've been holding off on you because I know we watched something. Um, the same yep. that we can't talk about, sort of. Right, because it's really, really new. Yep. Yeah, but I'll just go ahead and um, go with you. I know we both watched the new Candyman, but uh, mm-hmm. go ahead and tell us what else you watched, including Candyman. Yeah, I got a, this, the last two weekends, I got to go on a double and triple date with the family and their girlfriends, and uh, got to go out to the theater for both of these. So, yes, Candyman, fantastic. Just watched it a couple days ago. Uh, everything that's, uh, it's all awesome, I guess. I don't, the only thing I can say, I, I, I don't think is a spoiler that I was sort of taken back by is that ever like they keep calling it still or calling it a reboot and it's not at all. It's a sequel. It really is. Oh, it's just cool. a hundred percent oh. okay. sequel. Yep. Hmm. Oh. Not a reboot in any way. Well, now I'm really glad that we rewatched the f- the original yeah. one. Yeah, uh, yeah we watched just it last, just last night because it had been forever since Terry or I had seen it. 
Yeah, we rewatched it Monday night, the original, and then saw Candyman Thursday, the the opening night, and uh, fucking loved it. Yeah, yeah, freaking great. I think my it's in the trailers, but speaking of creative, it's the the way they use the shadow animation. It's not animation, but the shadow puppets, like Gosh. the paper, yeah, cutouts. Yeah. God yeah. dang it, I love that. Such a great way to tell a story. It's not the same old thing, you know. Yes, instead of just like flashbacks. Yeah, I loved it. I think it's such. I, I can't wait to pick this up on 4K. It's gorgeous. Oh, it's geez. a gorgeous looking movie. Um, su- such great performances from people I've never seen before, like new mm-hmm. pe- new actors that I've. Ne- it's like refreshing when you have new faces in a series and they deliver. Like I just, I loved everything about it. Yep, completely agree. Terrifying. So- uh, creepy as hell, just so so good. Oh yeah, and the score, and you know it's no Philip Glass, but it was still really great. There's little hints of it in there and of the old yeah. score, and yeah, oh, good. And then uh, two weeks ago, we saw uh, we went and saw Free Guy. Holy crap, that movie's so funny. Ryan Reynolds. I mean, I know I might, I'm I know I'm pushing too old to really understand what's going on in this movie, but I'm just kidding, but. <laughs> It's basically like a video game character, right? Yeah, it's like a Sims game, but the a NPC, a non-playable character, kind of becomes, becomes self-aware. Self-aware, okay, and becomes a character. He starts thinking, and well, see, when I heard about it, I'm like, "This is Wreck-It Ralph, right?" Like, I've know, already seen that. <laughs> oh, sure, but uh, with 100 percent Ryan Reynolds and his hilarity, it's 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 fantastic. It's it's a it's a perfect Ryan Reynolds physical comedy kind of movie. Um, it has it's a Taika in it too. Is like the villain. Yep, right? Taika Waititi yeah. is the villain, and he that guy. How does wow. he fucking have time? I know, I know, right? Oh, does he just not sleep? Like, yeah. and, but he looks like he gets lots of beauty sleep. He's fucking gorgeous he too. So. Uh, and his <laughs> character, his he's the villain so because he's like skin. so he's like an old he's like trying to be a young hip kid and so he talks like a young hip kid and he's clearly not and he's it's just it's so bad at trying to be cool and he's so fucking funny and i'm waiting for him to like we find uh, out the one thing he's not good at like we got to find something that he's terrible at right yeah, i don't know what you know, basketball maybe who knows Man, probably uh, like it, it seems like all those like yeah but, but then again he's probably fucking athletic too <laughs> so, so fuck him <laughs> And uh, it's also another big stars, Joe Keery from Stranger Things. Um, he was really fantastic in it too. Thought he was really great. God, by the next season of Stranger Things, the oh. kids are all going to be parents, right? I, I mean, it th- seems like it's been fucking it's ten been years. Too long. Yeah, yeah, right. So those were the the two movies I saw, and then I guess it's not really uh, it's a little bit of TV, but I just watched the second episode of What If last night, and it's amazing. What's that? Uh, it's on uh, Dis- uh, Disney Plus. And it's a it's new Marvel series. A new Marvel series. But and, it's animated. And it's animated, and the animation is freaking good. And it's uh, based on What If Comics. You can help me out, Mike, with that. But so, yeah, What what If was a series back in the day in Marvel where they would take him they would take major storylines and put a twist that happened already happened in Marvel and put a twist on it. Like what if what if Spider-Man did uh, what if Spider-Man stopped the criminal that killed his Uncle Ben? You know, stuff like that. Yeah, and so based on this multiverse that they've established now, so that anything yeah. can happen, and and so 
Yeah, it's uh, really interesting. And, and the, besides the animation being awesome and the story lines being awesome, they also got to use a lot of the original characters from the movies. Like uh, Michael Rooker was just in the second episode. Is that is the, that going to be is that the uh, guy, is that the where um, Black Panther is Star Lord? Uh huh. Okay. Yep. Oh man, it's such a and like Thanos is just like one of his gang as a good guy. It's, nice. It's freaking. It's just crazy. So it's just like crazy alternate universe with the characters that we love. So. I'm, I'm really have you watched? There's that. a new little short that doesn't have anything to do with that, but it's. I want to say it's called All Hail the King, uh, and it's just it's a documentary filmmaker goes into prison to interview the Mandarin from Iron Man Three. Oh, cool! Wow, it's just this silly little like 13 minute. <laughs> it's a. It's kind of a teaser for I think something that's supposed to be coming in the Shang Chi movie next weekend. But uh, I saw like the the video pop up, but I didn't watch it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it's not even fifteen minutes long. It's breezes right by, and and just like every Marvel thing, stick through the credits because there's some funny stuff in the credits <laughs> with Sam Rockwell. Oh, Sam Rockwell, sweet, my faves. Well, anyway, that's what I watched. Ted, what have you been watching? Man, I'm stoked. I had a good run. Um, I, like I said, I didn't watch a lot, but what I watched was all fucking cool. Yeah, well, we got some goodies. Pause, pause for a second. I guess uh, looking at my list again, but Candyman, I, I was. Going in excited, I didn't. I, outside of the very first trailer, I've avoided TV spots and reading all the articles. Anything, even afterwards, yeah. I've I've heard people are saying, "Oh, I can't believe the reviews are so negative." I'm like, "Why do you read them if you you know?" Right. To me, it's, I, I saw it, I liked it. Why do I need to? Why do I care what some guy I don't know thinks? You know, whatever. Um, yeah. Love Candyman. Um, I saw Don't Breathe Two. Hmm. Ooh. Uh-uh. No. No. I don't know. Really. It was, Oh. rapists aren't heroes i'm sorry like what? you can't paint you can't paint him in any type of positive light um that's absolutely true but he also owns up to i don't know there's no way to talk nice about no it. Yeah. no i right. just don't i i think it I just it. is a hard sell for me the only like i cared about literally one person in the whole movie i wanted everyone fucking dead except for the girl so <laughs> yeah uh it's hard to root when it's like yep. that guy's going after that guy but not what the bad guy and it's like they're all bad guys um but don't, don't you know. love Devil's Rejects? Kind of the Rejects? way I looked at it. Kind of the way I looked at oh. Annihilation. I love Devil's Rejects, but I also find those characters despicable too. Um, I did a, Brandy and I did a rewatch here not too long ago, and I, I still love that movie. I still love the Devil's Rejects, but I take I take more. I have more problem with the third act than <laughs> than I think I've ever had. It just it, it 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 almost to the point of like oh fuck you Rob Zombie and what you're trying to do with these it's characters a, it's in the third act. subject for sure yeah despicable heroes antiheroes yeah I just I don't know I, it was suspenseful it was fine but all the like, good I, stuff was good but yeah yeah I felt like it was a I liked the first movie but it's like is this something we need a sequel of this this long after like do people still remember that came out and yeah. then it just seemed like uh, Sam Raimi saying like, he, this is the best idea he's ever had for a sequel. I'm like, really? Like, uh, it just feels like, why, why is this, why was this made? And it, it was not memorable to me. Like right after I saw it, I went home and sort of forgot. I saw it, you know, didn't stick with me like Candyman did. Um, hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think it was just sort of like a new horror movie in theaters. I got to go see yeah, it. And, and sure. then I was, I was sort of like, maybe it's, I recommend if you, you, 
you like the first one, check it out um, at home. I recommend actually um, bootlegging it, like downloading it illegally so you don't pay for it. No, I'm <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's something that you don't need to see in theaters. And it's not, I don't sure. think it's still in theaters anyways. So don't have to worry about that. But um, the other thing that I'm very excited about, guys, you guys know me. I do not like series very much. It's, it's a hard sell for me because when something's 10 episodes long and they're an hour long each, that's like, you know, five fucking movies I can watch. Um, <laughs> so I, I just, it takes a lot for me to get into a series. Uh, and I fell for one on like Friday night. I watched the first episode and I finished the it whole just came s- out of it. <laughs> yeah. I already, I'm already done with the first season and it's called brand new cherry flavor. Hmm. It's oh, from okay. oh, yeah. the yeah. creators of um, Channel Zero that was on uh, Sci-Fi Channel, but this is on Netflix original, so it's full of nudity and full of blood and swearing. Um, I think my it's friend, no, I, I didn't <laughs> don't watch any trailers, just go into it. But I'll I'll explain the setup because it's all in the first episode. And um, I sent the trailer to my friend Noah because I thought he would he would like it, but I knew he wouldn't watch it without watching a trailer. So I watched the trailer <laughs> after I watched the series and. Um, it was interesting. It's, it's being called Lynchian, very, um, David Lynch. I don't think that's really fair because that is very easy to follow, which <laughs> def- is not David Lynch at all. No, yeah. Um, yeah. it's, you know, it's weird, but, um, I think my friend, Noah, I sent him the trailer and he said, it looks like lost highway mixed with starry eyes. Huh. And I thought okay. that was pretty good. Um, so basically this like, Young twenty-something-year-old film director, um, this girl creates this exp- experimental horror short film, right? Well, she gets a call, um, and it's like, "Hey, I'm so and so. It's this big Hollywood producer, and he's like, I saw your short film, and I really like it. We should meet up. I want to talk to you about it." And he meets up with her, and uh, he's like, "Hey, would you be interested in making this a feature?" It it really blew my mind, whatever. And she's like, "That would be great, you know." And he's like. I'd have to find a director. And she's like, why don't you pick me as the director? And he's like, you don't, you don't, you know how hard it'd be to get financing for something like a new female director has never mm-hmm. made anything but this, like, there's no way, whatever. <sighs> Eventually. And this is all like in the first, like setup. this is just setting up the whole 10 episode run, but, um, he is a scummy Hollywood producer. So he fucks her over and the whole rest of the series is her trying to get back at him, but it's, um, totally totally fucked it is like i mean it's not like her trying to get like revenge by going to his house and stabbing him she puts a curse on him and it things get very weird for her and him and everybody involved um it's fucking cool like visually fucked up um she pukes up like i think 10 cats throughout the series uh yeah yeah it's it's and they're they're little kittens that are alive so it's there's no animal death but um i can't even explain it without like <laughs> spoiling things but it, it i highly recommend it it's one of those things i watched the first episode and, and got digging into it and i could not stop um fucking loved it jump in and with both jump in with both feet huh yes andy i think you would love this it's on like i said it's on netflix the episodes are actually like 40 to 50 minutes so it's not a full hour so you know I could I could play I could definitely get that done like right in, in the morning before I go to work and just knock them uh, yeah, out dude. during the week. Uh, just give everybody just get if you're listening it sounds interesting just give the first episode a try I bet you'll be hooked. It's fucking cool. It has uh the lead girl I've never seen this movie but that Alita that Robert Rodriguez directed. 
like the girl that's the lead oh, yeah, of that yeah. movie. She's great. Battle Angel. Yeah, she's the lead in this and she's like growing up and I don't know. She's she's the, the director, the female director. Uh, it doesn't really have any names in the series, which is really cool, too. But uh, yeah, it's I just I fucking loved it. I highly recommend it. Brand new cherry flavor on Netflix. Um, cool. Check it out. That's what I watched. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tad, for that. Did you guys know Jason has taken up globe making? Oh. He's currently working on his first one right now. He's trying to figure out where to put the North and South Poles on the globe. He calls it pole position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. All right, gang, we're going to take a quick look back. All the way back to episode 241's poll position, because some people don't have Twitter. Some people in the world <laughs> just refuse to get Twitter, and they just won't do it. Brian Clark. <laughs> uh, we, uh, so in 241, the question was, what is the best film that represents a serial killer? Remember your answers? I'll tell you. Mike says, deranged. Number one. He always with says With a bullet. It, clearly. Uh, I said, my friend Dahmer from 2007. Tad says, Zodiac from 2007. And Andy says, Helter Skelter. <laughs> Brian, which one did you vote for on Twitter? Uh, all of them. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so sweet that you explain the results of this just for me. Yeah, because one I'm person. the only person on the planet who doesn't have Twitter. <laughs> That's the thing. When you say you don't have Twitter, you, you can you look it. at it without having Twitter. You don't have to yeah, have but an account. I, but then I have to remember to go oh look at it. I, you can't expect me to Yeah, you still want the results. <laughs> I restarted my uh, Letterboxd account like right. three months ago. Okay. And I remember like start following all of you and you're all excited. Oh, Brian's finally got letterbox because I had one forever ago and I never uh-huh. used it. And then I exactly what happened. I knew what was going to happen and it did. It just started <laughs> feeling like a chore and I started oh. forgetting to use it. And I haven't logged anything in like a month. Oh, we know. Cause I just don't even remember it's on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it happens. <laughs> so who won? Okay. Good question, Tad. Let's see who didn't. It tied for last place with 6% of the votes. Jason, Tad, Andy, Andy, and Insane what? Mike. That, me? That's, That's bullshit. Right. Deranged is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, he got one vote. Just, or 6%. Yeah. You got a second one in spirit. <laughs> and if only that would do enough. In third place. So that means the winner was 69. That's for you, Andy. Percent nice. of the vote. <laughs> Tad fucking wins again. He God always does. That fucking Tad guy. Tad, 69 with... Well, it's the best movie on here, Zodiac. It's, it makes sense. No. But let's move on to this episode's sure. poll position. The question is, what is the best release of 2021? Insane Mike. This is it, hands down. This is going to be the number Sell one it. pick. Get them votes. I went with Deadly Friend from coming out from Scream Factory this year. Coming out here soon. Um, because. A future release? It's still 2021. <laughs> has, what happens if it gets canceled last minute? Has anyone even seen Deadly Friend? 
Um, yeah, I have Monster Vision years no, ago. No, because you know why? Movie's been out of print baby. forever. That's why this is the number baby. one pick for pole position. Baby. So you can see <laughs> in high definition that really bad headless Anne Ramsey walking around the room after it, her head gets um, smashed. I stopped by basketball. playing basketball after I yeah, saw this. Yeah, movie. I was going to say, yeah, like. That was like dodgeball circa 1985 from where I'm from. Like, we would bean the piss out of each other. It was great. I mean, we wouldn't throw it at Mama Fratelli's head, mind you, but, yeah. All right, I'll go next What with what is clearly going to be the winner. Come on, guys. We know that Shout Factory put out the deluxe They Live Collector's Edition with an exclusive NECA action figure with poster and a vinyl. Holy freaking crap. Oh, and I wonder who here's got some of that. I know Andy did. I did. Definitely. I got, I got Frank, Frank and, you know, Beans. and Nada are hanging out, <laughs> no. beating, the, beating the piss out of each other. And what's they co- are turning into the anchor bay of John Carpenter movies. They- <laughs> and what's cool about that vinyl is this bubblegum pink. That's right. From Sacred Bones. Anyway, yeah. That's a pretty sweet release. All right, Put Ted, what's your favorite? Put the record on. Put it on. Are you done, Andy? <laughs> Never. Yes, sorry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go with um, Psycho Goreman Hunky Boy Ultimate Ooh. Edition. It came with an alternate cover, uh, trading cards. Um, I just I adore Such this movie. I loved I loved what they did with the packaging. Um, yeah, that's my my pick. And Andrew. Uh, my my pick is, uh, and it probably would have came out in, t- like, uh, not even made it into twenty twenty one. It probably would have came out earlier, but I think they were they had intel on some like deleted scenes, which unfortunately they could not find. But it since it was it was delayed for so long, and it was anticipated. It is Event Horizon uh, Special Edition from Ooh. Scream Factory. Pretty excited for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I know uh, Twitter only lets us have, I mean, Brian doesn't know this, but Twitter only <laughs> lets you have four <laughs> answers to a poll. But if there was five, Brian, what would you pick as your favorite release from 2021? Uh, well. If not one of these. Yeah. Uh, it's not one of those. It is uh, uh, from Arrow Video. I've heard of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, they put out what I would consider the single greatest home video release ever of anything with their uh, box set of the Gamera movies. And you would say that. Yeah. yeah. But they, they followed that up with uh, realizing that Dae Studios, uh, which is now owned by a company called Katakawa, are a lot easier to deal with than Toho. So rather than try to pay a giant pile of money for licensing Godzilla stuff, uh, they continued down the Dae path and just recently put out uh, the Dimagine Trilogy, which are oh, a series nice. of movies which are, uh, they're, they're sort of like uh, historical Jidaigeki Chambara movies, which is uh, um, samurai movies set kind of during the Edo period and the Reformation and all that, and the, uh, warring states kind of stuff. And uh, But so villagers are set upon by evil samurai They ruin their village, and they go and pray to their mountain god, this giant stone statue, 
uh, called the Daimajine, and it wakes up and stomps into town and squishes all the evil samurai. And those movies are great. And Arrow gave it just as much love as they did the Gamera stuff. It comes with a booklet, super fancy, you know, real heavy stock uh, box that it comes in. Um, tons of great extra features, commentary tracks, documentaries, video essays, so on and so forth. And these are movies that they were released briefly on Blu-ray a while ago from Mill Creek with no extras, just the movies. Um, and that, that was out of print and had been cost a fortune forever. So Arrow once again comes to the rescue, and that might be dethroned by a release coming this fall. They're doing the Daie uh, Yokai movies, which oh, was uh, cool. Daie uh, Spook Warfare, Daie, or excuse me, uh, Yokai Spook Warfare, Yokai 100 Ghosts, and Yokai Along with Ghosts. And those movies are awesome. They've been out of print forever, and I'm super stoked. Uh, the extras on this look like they're going to be even more extensive than the Dimagine ones. Are those are those in public domain? The, no, because, no, they got to be. They have to be licensed. Because you said Mill Creek did a did a set of those, oh. and I have well, a, I have a set of those too that was put out by. Um, Freaking Fred Owen, La- Fred Owen Ray's label, right? On DVD. The, the Dimagine movies, the ones on the Fred Owen, on the um, retro media set that you've got, and the ones that were on the Mill Creek ones, they had the uh, the old AIP TV dubs of the first two, oh, and okay. I I don't think they actually bothered to license the third one <laughs> <laughs> because those TV edits I think are public domain over here. There's some weird stuff because okay. th- that's a whole b- reason like everyone caused a big stink over the, the Criterion Godzilla set, not having the dubs. And that's because the rights to those dubs are owned by different people than Toho. It's a, just a labyrinthine bullshit of copyright law. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so, but so this is the first time, We've had like really good subs, dubs, everything of the Daimajin movies, um, and then coming up of the Okai movies. So, so if he, uh, you know, could if if he had a four spot, um, that twelve minute rant would definitely not fit on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's... vote for that one, I guess. <laughs> you knew what you were getting when That's you had me on. Absolutely true. <laughs> All right, everyone, get your butts over to Twitter at AOTKP. Get your votes in for who you think picked the best release from 2021. And that is Pole Position. All right, guys, it is time now to get into our unwrapping. Uh, uh, I love this episode. I do. I because do. it's like a, a smorgasbord of. Yeah. It's not a not real stuck topic. stuck in one really. topic. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also it feels kind of like Christmas when you get to unwrap that uh, that DVD or Blu-ray. We're gonna start with Andy. What, Andy, what movie did you bring to the table? Okay, I'm very very excited. I have a Vinegar Syndrome release from 1988, and it is called Hell Comes to Frogtown. In the future, after the big war. There will come a time to rebuild and a need for a new and special kind of soldier. This man is carrying a loaded weapon. Prepare to meet the next great American hero. That's where you come in. Are you serious? His name is... Hell. Sam Hell. Never heard of you. We're going to Frogtown. And this is the adventure he's been waiting for. 
gonna get him out, and then you're gonna get him pregnant. And if anyone's got a chance in hell of rescuing the virgins from the evil clutches of Toady. It's a miracle. Right. Let's go. And escaping from Frogtown. Go, 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 go! It's Sam. Shit. Holy shit! Be there for the action. <laughs> the adventure. Oh, Sam! What are you doing? And be there for the dance of the three snakes. Dance? gonna die when hell comes to Frogtown starring Rowdy Roddy Piper as Sam you are one weird dude Sandal Bergman as Nurse Spangle wired to blow hell comes to Frogtown eat lamp froggies Oh man, that trailer! Not only is it hilarious, but it just told the whole damn movie. Um, <laughs> here we go. After a worldwide nuclear war where sixty-eight percent of the male population was wiped out and virile men becoming a rarity, Sam Hell, a scavenger and a highly virile man, is assigned to help rescue a group of fertile women kidnapped by humanoid frogs. Yeah, like um the the character of Bull, which is very creative because he's a goddamn bull frog. Um you are one weird dude. This is one weird movie and I loved every minute of it. Um this, so this sorry, real quick. This was a first time watch for you? Uh, I watched it years ago. It has been probably maybe 10 to 12 years since I've seen this. Okay. So I, I forgot mostly about it, but okay. um, I how, actually snagged. Go ahead. I was going to say, how do you say um, you don't watch Joe Bob without saying you don't watch Joe Bob? <laughs> no. <laughs> it just, uh, yeah. It just, when you said, when you picked this movie, I'm like, I was confused. Like, how can he? How can Andy... Such an Andy movie. It is totally an Andy movie. Well, Roddy Roddy Piper alone, right? Wow. Yeah. I, yeah, actually, this is my first time, too. I'm just piggybacking on Andy's. I think I actually fell asleep or something during the Joe Bob. So, what? And I did rewatch the Joe Bob version, too, because, yeah. But... Because I know everyone's really concerned about my Blu-ray collection and what I open or not, but... I also most of it. So we don't have forty-seven movies to talk about tonight. I just kind of piggybacked on Andy's, but yeah, this movie's something, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's you it's loved it. Un, it is unlike anything that you will ever see. Um, the uh, the Blu-ray that uh, Vinegar Syndrome put out, the interview with Rowdy Piper, just talking about you know the making of it is hilarious you know because he says that his his wife did not know what this movie was about and he's in his trailer and like sandal bergman comes in with like in her, you know in pretty much scantily clad you know he's like she's like wearing finger symbols and like a bra and panties and his wife is in there you know he's talking to, with his wife you know and and she's just like oh i'm sorry i didn't know you had company and then his wife is like looking at him like Okay, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> so, you know, he, you know, basically it's, you know, 
10 minutes of, you know, Rowdy saying, explaining as to why he was doing this movie and, you know, making sure that his four foot 11 wife doesn't try to murder him. But, um, it, it was good to see, uh, Rory Calhoun, uh, yes. farmer Vincent in this movie. Um, Sandal Bergman, you may recognize her from, you know, freaking uh, Conan the Barbarian, Red Sonia, whatever. Uh, just the the over the topness of this movie is is what really makes it. I mean, if you tried to do this serious, it would mm. just it would fall flat on its face. I mean, so they they knew what they were making, and it's so it's so damn cheesy. Like the one thing that just almost had me in tears, like uh, when. Uh, Sandal Bergman is is captured, and she's like in that dominatrix gear. And then that that bull, the guy named Bull, he's like he's got her captured, right? And he he wraps her around like this railing, like two or three times that wouldn't hold anybody. And then he just gets in her face and goes, (laughs) just walks off. (laughs) What the fuck was that? Um. Dance of the Three Snakes. I mean, basically, you know, it's it's trouser snakes. If if you're not getting that oh, pun at all, I mean, it's they never really hello. showed it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's if if you're in, if you just want to have like a really good time and just not take this movie, you can't take this movie seriously at all because if you tried, you wouldn't enjoy it. But I think this movie is a freaking blast. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles can kiss my ass. This is the movie to watch. <laughs> um, you've just got this giant pink, you know, Chevy conversion van with like a, an M90 on it with like this ridiculously good looking soldier, you know, pointing, you know, just, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a total guy movie and, it, you know, girls should love it too because it's just a hell of a fun time. So. Anyway, that's pretty much all I got. You bringing up the Ninja Turtles now kind of makes me wish there was like a live action crossover movie with the Battle Toads. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that'd yeah, be cool. cool. I want to. I want a Nika Sam Hell Ultimate Sam Hell, but that will never happen. <laughs> no, if they can't make uh, not- uh, Snake Plissken or they can't make Jack Burton, they're not making this uh, like third rate version. Exactly. Not unless right. Vinegar Syndrome starts a partnership with Nika, which also would mean that there's a possibility that we'd get a Jamie Gillis action figure, which would be fucking awesome. I hope it comes with an enema bag. I, saying, I don't. I don't think they're in the business of like throwing throwing away money. <laughs> okay, I'll go. Yeah. Uh, Hell comes to Frogtown is awesome. I first saw this way back in the day on USA Up all night. Um, and it's yeah, how you have to say it. It is how you have to say it. Uh, I think Roddy Roddy Piper is hilarious in this. His overreaction to things it cracks me up every time. Um, uh, this is directed by um, his name is Donald Jackson, who is known in the B movie Z grade movie world. Or just some of the some of the most bizarre movies he made through like the eighties. His first movie was The Demon Lover, which has Gunnar Hansen in it, and Gunnar <laughs> oh, Hansen yeah. had such a horrible experience working on that movie um, that that is why Gunnar Hansen quit the business for decades. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, um, 
there's a documentary out about Demon Lover that I've been trying to find for years, and I can't find it. I don't remember the name of it. That's why I can't find it. <laughs> um, but he, he all, uh, this guy also had an obsession with like rollerblades because he made several roller. There's like rollerblade warriors, rollerblade seven, um, return Prayer of the rollerblade seven. I remember back when uh, my buddies and I, I, I forgot when I was saying earlier, the Godzilla and Dr. Who and all that stuff that covering the bases. The other thing I didn't bring up was uh, my high school movie nights. We rented Rollerblade 7 one night and oh my God, that movie is terrible. There's this book. It's one of the, one of the few books I've read from beginning to end. That's not a, a, uh, um, a book about, of uh, movies, but well, I guess it is. A is book it the novelization movies. of Rollerblade Seven? No, it's it's it, it is. A, I guess a movie <laughs> a book about movies, but it's it's called um, uh, Teen Wolves, Astro Zombies, and I, f- I forget the whole title right now. But basically, this guy does this year long challenge where uh, he watches, tries to watch all the worst movies he can find, and he has like a whole freaking chapter on Donald Jackson movies. <laughs> <laughs> But so I think with this said, um, there was another like a co-director on this movie that I feel like maybe um, why this movie stands out uh, over the rest of Donald Jackson's films. Because at the end of the day, I feel like this movie, for especially what it is, it's very well made, really competently uh, directed. It looks really good again for the type of movie that it is. The, the frog costumes I think look great, even though they don't always move, but they look great. They're nice and slimy. They don't just look like a freaking cheesy mask or whatever. Um, the comedy hits in the right spots, I think. Uh, and, and I think as far as like, if I want to throw this into, I kind of throw this a little bit into like, a 70s 80s cheesy sexploitation movie where they like a sexploitation movie where they take a theme and try to force you know sex into this theme of nudity and stuff and this one really does a good job with it like you can sit here and be like okay this makes sense why this girl's going to completely strip naked and and try to jump on Roddy Roddy Piper so i am a fan of this movie yeah, I don't know if the the other director had that much to do with the movie being good because the producers at New World uh, Pictures, which this is not the Roger Corman New World Pictures. Now this is the, after he sold the company, and they were. In fact, I think this might have been the movie that bankrupted them, yeah. which is why the three sequels to this movie were all direct to video. Um, <clears throat> this was their last theatrical movie. They basically said, you're you're spending too much money. We don't like what's going on here. And they fired him and got like the editor or somebody to finish directing the movie. Or maybe it was the sound recordist. Some, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but the, I, I think a lot of the good stuff about the movie was from Don Jackson, as much as those rollerblade movies aren't very good. But, mm-hmm. you know, he, he could turn around movies on a tiny budget. He was making movies for like under $10,000 before this. So this was the most money he ever had to work with. And that's why, you know, the frogs look so great because he got Steve Wang to build them. Steve Wang's a fucking effects genius. And he also then uh, went on to direct the two live action Guyver movies, but that's, that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, those movies are great. Uh, coming out, I, well, I think movies. they're both out on Blu-ray now. Um, but anyway, uh, 
But oh, so like this movie is on the surface, like you were saying, kind of the silly sexploitation, you know, booby USA up all night kind of a thing. (laughs) And it is on the surface, but there's so much clever stuff going on underneath the surface too. Like with, uh, at the very opening scene when there's a character dressed head to toe, you can't see their face, right? They got heavy gloves on. They got like a beekeeper mask and helmet. They got goggles. Their face is covered with a scarf, but you hear them ribbit. So, you know, based on the title of the movie, you assume he's a frog and he's scavenging some scrap metal or something. And he gets knocked down by somebody and he pulls a gun to defend himself. And the guy tells him, you know, you can't have that. Everybody knows greeners can't have guns. And the guy who tells him that is a black guy. So it's like flipping, the, you know, it's this social commentary that the frog people are that much lower on the run. I mean, this is, how many years ago is this movie made? Almost 30-ish? 88. Yeah. 80, yeah. So, I mean, talk about ahead of its time social commentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And then on the other side, the the way it, it so comedically satires the post-apocalyptic apocalyptic movies from that time the mad maxes and stuff that stuff's really great oh it's brilliant and and roddy piper is is, you know in a long line of wrestlers proving that they have amazing timing skills because of how they have to work those fights that it translates so well to comedy and and these days you've got john cena and um dave batista you know ripping it up and and comic book movies and, and comedies and things like that. But Roddy Piper is a fantastic actor, even though he was really paranoid that he was going to suck and worked really hard with an acting coach. Like he really gave it his all yeah. for this movie and it totally worked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and I don't even, maybe he needed the acting coach. Maybe he didn't, but it seems so natural. He's just so charismatic and funny mm-hmm. and likable. You know, you just want to have a beer with the guy. Yeah, his performance I feel like definitely elevates everything, you know, everything that's going on in the movie cuz you can't necessarily say that about some of the other actors in the film. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember Joe Joe Bob saying that he definitely wasn't the first choice for this movie and that all the actors that auditioned before him tried to play into it and like he was just sincere, you know, yeah. like he just played it straight and they kind of liked it for that. When you got to, you you have to, you have to, or else, this is ridiculous. Yeah, you know, or else the comedy doesn't work. Yeah, you got to play it straight. Have it, has anyone seen any of the sequels where he's replaced by Robert Zadar? No. Oh, is that who replaced? Yeah. I never seen wow. any of the sequels. Yeah. No. Oh my god. <clears throat> this was a first time or first time watch about a year ago when it was on the last drive in. And uh, for that purpose, like being on the last drive in, it's a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and hearing Joe Bob tell stories about it and, and that kind of stuff. It, it took me back to like discovering movies on Monster Vision. I think I actually remember seeing they live on Monster Vision years ago. But um, just like. I don't know. This this probably isn't something I would have just put on. It's definitely something. Looking at the cover, I would assume Andy owned on um, no every format, kidding, right? <laughs> uh, and when I and I watched it, I definitely got vibes of like Big Trouble and uh, oh, yeah. Escape from New York, where it's like, you know, everywhere he goes, it's like you know, 
hell like oh you know i I don't know you and he's just sort of traveling this weird world um i don't know it it gives me those vibes and i of course love roddy piper um and hot chicks and it's it's fun (laughs) but it's like i said i I rewatched it again with joe bob because i'm not sure i would appreciate it without the uh nuances and and little uh interruptions it just he adds so much to it so um i know we talk about him too much on the show but uh you can't talk too much about joe bob that's right i actually saw this movie for the first time on monster vision so it was kind of nice to see it again with him on the last drive-in and that's how i rewatched it too was the last drive-in episode and i was thinking this was from the most recent season. I forgot this was the finale to season two. Yeah. So yeah. I was looking going, Oh my God, did shutter lose the rights? What's yeah. happening? And then I kicked back up to the second season, you know, scrolling through the episodes and went, Oh shit. It was that long ago. Cause yeah. it just all, you know, Joe Bob lives in all our hearts. <laughs> you know, this yeah, may- but I think it's a perfect fit for that, for that format. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, I think this may be the first time I ever watched the movie straight through. <laughs> without somebody popping in you know uh, i've seen it several times you know monster vision usa up all night and and then last <laughs> drive-in and this time around it's the first time I've, I've watched it without any interruptions it was weird and brian kind of said it already but i think my clearly my favorite part of all of it um was the effects the frog people I mean, it's just mm-hmm. they're just great and makeup's really fantastic for what you for can what tell it is, is not a huge for the budget, budget and yeah. what it is. It's like it far exceeded anything that it well, should I think, have been. Yeah, I think if you had ho- like really bad makeup or hokey effects, it really would have taken away. Because I thought they, yeah, it's just really well done for what it is. Like it's such a ridiculous premise that it has no right for being as good as it is. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yes, hell comes to Frogtown. On Shudder, hashtag sponsor. So, the moment I've been waiting for mm-hmm. this episode, I should have saved <laughs> this one for last, but Tad, what movie did you bring to the show? <laughs> this one might be a surprise for people listening, but it's uh, from 1989. It is Nightmare Beach. One week of non-stop partying guarantees to blow away Tony brain cells. You won't even remember your name. Oh, wow! Every one of these used by sunrise Easter morning. One time the whole school, you're a bender. Welcome to spring break, the annual migration of the idiots. Hey, biker parking only. Get a grip. Look, we don't want any trouble, all right? Edward Diablo Santor, the state stands ready to execute you as charged. Do you have any last words? May the Lord have mercy on you. Don't shoot! Don't shoot! Some drunk breakers. Thinking it's a fun trick. Sick the Apple's biker buddies. He vowed he was coming back.
deadly weapon. That's cause to blow your fucking pretty head off. Who killed my friend? Who? Okay, after the execution of a motorcycle gang leader convicted of murder, a helmeted biker goes on a killing spree during spring break in Florida. Nightmare Beach came out in 1989, directed by Umberto Lenzi and James Justice. Um, We've got several writers on this. James Justice, again, Umberto Lenzi, and uh, Vittorio Rambaldi. This has some uh, names you might recognize, such as a younger Michael Parks and John Saxton. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's a weird ass uh, spring break slasher with a killer who rides a motorcycle and murders people with his motorcycle. I had a blast. This was a blind buy from the Kino Lorber sale. Uh, Nice. probably six months or so ago and i pulled the trigger on it and uh, just from the description alone <laughs> uh, this one was a lot of fun i can't wait to hear what uh, the rest of you guys thought of this one mike before we get into anything else i just <laughs> gotta ask you this did you feel like a proud papa when you found <laughs> out what ted's pick was because i did absolutely <laughs> A hundred percent. Yes. I, when he, when he first posted it, I'm like, Oh my God. I'm so proud. But I thought you thought we were all going to hate it. I mean, except for you two. <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, this is a movie I would pick, so I just don't know. Huh. Mm. Who, who has, was well, this the first watch for a lot of us? First for me, for me, for me too, actually. Yes. Uh, I, I passed up this one on that very same Kino Lorber sale. I remember you talking to you about it. Yep. Only because I bought like 10 other <laughs> right. fucking movies right. on that sale. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. I can't I'm justify all. one yep. more. I can't afford to save any more money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's, this is two different movies in one. Like I love, I love this. I really enjoy the movie, but like, uh, uh, but I like, I like the 80s beach party stuff way more than the killer stuff. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> it just, I loved it. It just felt like it, all the ski schools and the 80s movies, <laughs> the music just stupid oh, yeah, and oh, terrible yeah. Yeah, and two, loud. Two, bud, two buddies, just dumb oh. jock jokes and swimsuits. And yeah. Yes, I loved all that stuff. Yeah, it felt That's like a, a uh, that Umberto Lenzi was like, trying to uh jump on a trend or something and but he it still had his taste like his flair to it so it was really weird juxtaposition like yeah and somehow it it works in its own dysfunctional it's way it's not an italian film but it's an italian film right it, well i mean it kind of is i mean the the Rambaldi brothers and and Lindsay, although it is the most american italian yeah. film i think i've ever seen yeah mm. yeah 
Yeah, that's fair. I can agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, I still feel like it's got, you know, a lot. It still has a lot of Italianisms to it, but yeah. So, like Lindsay, his name was attached to this by horror fans because everyone knows Umberto Lindsay, right? You got Cannibal Ferox, you got uh, Nightmare City, so on and so forth. And he was originally going to be the one and only director, but he had a falling out with the producers. Um, and he wanted to be taken off the movie. He felt it was too similar to a film that he'd made a few years ago, or not a few years ago from now, a few years ago from this movie <laughs> <laughs> called Seven Bloodstained Orchids. And he decided that he didn't want to put his name on this because people think he was just repeating himself. Um, so the James Justice, which is a, a pseudonym for a guy named Harry Kirkpatrick, was the co-writer. Um, he was given the director chair and he's the one who gets the credit, but Lindsay stayed on largely due to Kirkpatrick's insistence. Like, no, you're this great horror master. You've got to stay here and, and help us out. So Lindsay stayed on and was kind of an advisor around the set um, and that kind of thing. But his, his name got taken off. And for, for a long time, people thought Harry Kirkpatrick was just another alias for Lindsay, right? Because Italian horror directors, they all make films under 700 different names, right? Especially Joe D'Amato, but, but they all kind of do yeah. it. But no, Harry Kirkpatrick was a real guy <laughs> and he co-wrote the movie and, uh, and largely directed most of this. Lindsay did some before he, uh, decided he didn't want to have any, any part in it. But, um, but this Harry Kirkpatrick guy directed several other, uh, horror movies too. Very, uh, more in Italian mode too. There's one called primal rage, for example, which is kind of a precursor to uh, 28 days later in that it involves people being injected by some sort of rage virus extracted from monkeys and going crazy at a Halloween party. Um, and then Vittorio and Alex Rambaldi, of course, if you recognize that last name, Rambaldi, they were the sons of Carlo Rambaldi, the effects guy, who mm -hmm. built yep. the creature for Alien and E.T. and so on and so forth. So. Small world. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had a blast with this one. I just, I'm glad. Like, I was not sure buying it, and then I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear what they have to say, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is one that's It's going to be rewatchable for me. Like, this is just fun. It's something I'd probably watch every spring. It's like I, I actually picked this one because not only because it's you know needed to unwrap it, but it's like a nice cap to the summer. We're we're getting into fall now, and this is like yeah. a dumb beach horror movie. But I, that's yeah, awesome. You, I'm just glad to hear that that you liked it, and it might be a, a, a seasonal staple movie for you. <laughs> I feel like I need to to watch this again to even appreciate it more. The effect that you have a a killer with. He kills people with like an electric chair motorcycle. Is yeah, that, that was fucking awesome. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Tad's gonna get and that feature that put on his scooter. That yeah. it's uh, <laughs> 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 a little sidecar. Yeah. Um. But the fact that you know you you know this movie's dated because I'm I I'm totally sure that the Me Too movement is going to love Ronnie Rivera and just his exploits, Oof. you know? <laughs> yeah, he's... He, he, when he gets killed, I didn't really feel bad for him because he's such a sleazy little bastard. <laughs> I just... I, um, 
But yeah, everybody is, it's like a typical, you know, mid to late 80s sort of college party theme. Yeah. Uh, just like, hey, we're going to drink some beer. We're going to have some fun. We're going to drink beer and have fun. You know. Oh, look at yeah, a motorcycle. Okay. <laughs> I just, and and I also just carried around to football. Yeah. Like, <laughs> football. Yeah. I just, all I re- remember from this movie is the damn music. Because when the mu- the credits came up and it says Claudio Simonetti's Simen- doing the score, I'm like, yes, this is going to be. And then all I remember is the 80s rock music like you heard in the trailer. That's all I re- <laughs> Just shitty, shitty music. And I'm like, that wasn't. Hey. Real. What? It- yeah. <laughs> I, I love like it. The, I loved it. You mean comparatively. I mean, granted, this is not quite on the same no. par as Phenomena. No. For having kick-ass. Oh, no rock bands on the soundtrack i was thinking of de- demons rocking. yeah yeah that too yeah but this all i remember is just that i don't know not the good stuff the bad stuff i don't know but okay when the killer is murdering the girl with the furnace that totally doesn't actually work that way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when he's just using it as a flamethrower <laughs> right. And he's got her tied up in front of the door. What the hell? And as he's turning up the fire so it shoots out in that jet, the more fire that comes out, the louder the music gets. Come on. That was awesome. <laughs> sure. Sure. I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is the music made an impact on me in this movie. I liked it. That's awesome. Mike would have never guessed it was Five for five on this one. Yeah, I'm really happy. That might, oh, yeah. That might change, though, on the next one. We'll see. Go Gators. <laughs> right in the guy's face. Go Gators! <laughs> jumps, jumps into the car, into the backseat <laughs> of a stranger. <laughs> Go I like to I like to think that they, this is how they view Americans. They're like, uh, they'll go to Florida and bring a bunch of condoms and hit on everybody around, and there'll be wet t-shirt contests everywhere and drunken football Jeez. players and an angry motorcycle gang. That is 100,000% accurate, so <laughs> I guess they're right. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear it for John Saxon as a villain, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. what a pecker. <laughs> He's, we're so used to seeing him as a hero. It's, it's kind of weird to see him as the scary guy, but man, he pulls it off. He's great. I just He's a hard ass. John Saxon and Michael Parks just felt like wasted in yeah. this movie, though. I mean, they're so awesome. R.I.P. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's great to see him. Awesome! Yay! All right. So, Brian, what what's your movie? <sighs> yeah, well, let's think about Brian's shelf of movies and what could he possibly <laughs> have on there. <laughs> <laughs> So, ever since you guys first started doing these unwrapped episodes, right. I've been bugging you, like, oh, next time, I yes. want to do it. And every time, you'd have somebody else. And eventually, it got to the point where Tad and Jason wouldn't stop getting dick pics until you allowed me to come <laughs> on and do one of these, right? To be fair, we've never had a guest on Unwrapped until now. Yeah, yeah you have. Larry, Larry Watanabe. He's going to feel me. real sad you forgot him. Well, I was thinking that it's always been one that we avoid guests with because there's already four movies that we have to watch. Yeah. So Did Larry send you a dick pic too? No comment. <laughs> we wish. <laughs> Get on that, Larry. 
So when I I was talking to John from the Twitch of the Death Nerf podcast about being asked to come on and do this, and I told him oh what boy. I was going to pick, he said, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked, because I was literally saving this movie for oh, <laughs> whenever man. this happened, was out of the Redemption video distributed by... Again, the great Kino Lorber, Jean Rollins, 1970s, The Nude Vampire. And the fact that the trailer that Jason just played was nothing but improvisational trumpet music ought to tell you something about the movie you're about to watch. So Pierre Radamant is out for a walk one night and comes across a woman wearing a diaphanous neon orange veil being chased by some people in strange animal masks. He attempts to help her evade them, but they wind up cornered, and she is shot dead while he manages to escape. He later tracks the group of people in animal masks back to a club operated by his father, strange uh, industrialist, I guess, random rich guy, George Radamante, and he finds out that the girl is actually still alive, even though he saw her die. And there's a suicide cult that worships her. And then they move to a chateau in rural France, owned by a strange nobleman wearing a vaguely comic booky looking outfit, and then things get really weird. <laughs> Go! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have some stuff, but I really want to oh. hear how much you all hated this movie first. <laughs> well, I'll ease into it. I, I was trying to find what I wrote to you about it, what I said. <laughs> I remember texting you while I was watching it going, oh my God. <laughs> I said, You're well, all going to yeah. be so mad at me. <laughs> I just said, I, uh, I appreciate, no, I, I think I like this movie at the end of the day. In theory, that's yeah. what you oh, said. Yeah, I, did I liked that. it in theory. I said, uh, I said uh, um, in general, in theory, I think I liked it. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the artistry. This is an art piece, and not just because it's Frenchy, but like it, it, it all comes through. Like it's such a arty art art piece. Well, you like it because it's an old timey A twenty four movie. There you go. That's might might be it. Wow. You know, I never it. thought yeah. about it like that, but that <laughs> is a really No, no, no. That yeah. is genuinely a really good way to describe Jean Rollins movies in general, not just yeah. this one. To audiences now who have never heard of him. That is bang on. I also oh, know, you well, okay. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I was debating on whether I would say this or not, but there was a point last night before I went to bed after I'd watched it that like, I was now bear with me. This I'm serious. Mike, you're looking <laughs> me in the eye. Why are you laughing? I'm being serious. <laughs> you can't expect me to there take you a, seriously when you start off by saying, I'm listen, serious. I'm going to be serious right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look into my eyes. I was there. <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe I don't even know how to say it right, but I was there's was there's a point last night where I'm like, I might seriously start wearing a cape. What the fuck? Why, why the fuck not? That was that dude was fucking awesome. You would look and he, great in a cape. That dude didn't give a fuck. He's wearing a cape and he was the badass. And like, <laughs> I'm like, nobody wears a cape. I'm, why the fuck don't I wear a cape? You could bring back capes. I'm just gonna start from what? No one ever started. So what am I bringing it back from? A comic book, anyway. But I, but like I, but I seriously century. thought. I mean, I literally went to bed thinking I might fucking have to get a cape, guys. <laughs> I might need a cape. Cause that guy fucking rocked it. And I, I feel like I've seen you in a cape, uh, X-ray Mary. That's show. true. Maybe yeah. I'm just having flashbacks. It, it looked Halloween fucking part. good. I know. I, I, so I'm I remember saying, what I'm saying. I remember going to bed that night thinking Jason should always wear a cape. So what I'm saying is, I already have a cape, and I might just start wearing it. So that's one of my favorite parts about this movie is it encouraged me to maybe start wearing a cape. Sorry, Brian. No, that's that's cool. I, you should wear a cape. That's that's fantastic. That is. This is literally the most times I've heard the word cape in the past <laughs> two minutes that I have in the past maybe Ugh. 20 fucking years. I like that's the impression that it left on Jason. Not, you know, any of the weird masks or the, you know, over-the-top nudity or the just weird music, um, but the cape, man. Yeah, man. You fucking rocked it. I just... I got to say that these guys say that they're studying this vampire chick for science, but they've got to be the worst fucking scientists I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> when it when it comes to like testing a theory, okay, let's let's okay, let's shoot them. Let's see what happens. And they they, they keep shooting them and it doesn't work, you know. It's just like so I'd say your theory's flawed, you know. They tried like all sorts of, you know, different ammo, you know. It's just like the shooting them does not work you know you you had the grease gun and all this other shit and i'm just like okay by then i just didn't even know what the fuck was going no. on anyway <laughs> so uh, I, when, I tried i tried <laughs> when the people in the animal mask shoot her that's just to incapacitate her so they can carry her back the other people who are shooting themselves uh, in, in wearing they're wearing the hoods and all that, they're actually a cult who worship her because she's immortal. Um, George Radamant has has sort of taken this whole cult in to his eyes wide shut party mansion yeah. because he he doesn't really give a fuck about the cult. They're just kind of a handy group of people to have as henchmen, right? But he's this eccentric rich guy. And he wants to find the secret of her immortality. That's why they keep drawing blood and doing all these tests. He's he's a shitty scientist because he's not a scientist. He's just a rich guy who wants to live forever. And he figures by extracting enough of her blood and studying it enough, he can figure out what biological function it is in her body that allows her to come back from being shot. Uh, yeah, he's, he's just a bored rich guy who wants to live forever. And all of what Brian said is in the movie, but I don't know. <laughs> it's easily deducted. It's yeah, it's it's not conveyed very well. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what Mike thought because I know how he feels about A24 movies and slow movies, but I know it's a movie from the 70s and it's a movie that Brian picked and he likes what <laughs> Brian does. So <laughs> what uh I know he wants to make Anybody want to take bets? I don't think you liked it. 
I yeah, ah, I did not like slow. it. Oh, too slow. It was too that slow. That makes me so sad. Me. I know. Here's here's to quote Jason. Here's the thing. Capes are cool. <laughs> Capes are cool. I um Jean Rollin, I am not as versed as I want to be. I have yet to really pull the trigger on on his filmography. Um you would like his movies from the early 80s more, I think. You should okay. check out um, Night of the Hunted and The Grapes of Death and Living Dead Girl. I, I think those s- would probably be the three of his that you would react to the most favorably. I was going to say, the only movie of his that of that I've seen is, well, Zombie Lake and meh. And that but- doesn't count because he was just <laughs> hired as a... He was brought on as a hired gun to direct that after Jeff Franco quit. Oh, okay. And but the other one that I've seen of his is is Grapes of Death, and I love Grapes of Death. So you mm-hmm. are hitting the nail on the head right there, and on um, his movies that I would like is that one. Yes, I love that movie. But yeah, this one's just too. It's just too slow. It's not weird enough for me. Huh. Um, <laughs> do you hear that? Based on its based on its pacing, um, it's not the the weirdness does not hold my attention long enough for how slow everything is. Um, the yeah, the masks and stuff is cool looking. Um, the eroticism is was to me was not erotic at all. Uh, in particular, there's one scene. There's one scene that I want while I'm watching this movie, and that's the guy, the the photographer taking the photos of the. Of the naked black woman and she's like mm-hmm. squeezing her boobs and rolling around and for whatever. Five the, minutes straight. No, that was, scene was uh, agony. <laughs> Even yeah. for me, it was a hard one to sit through. Thank you. Okay, yeah, it reminded tough. me so yeah. much of like in the latter days of Ed Wood and his softcore porn yeah. films. Yeah. And I'm like, was this done by Ed Wood? Like it just really <laughs> yeah. had like a pretty. A pretty women all in a row vibe to it would have been right at home in orgy of the dead for sure yeah and and that you know you're not sexy at all just blah, boring as hell <laughs> it could be boring of watching a woman blow around naked for but yeah it was so yeah i'm sorry not a fan i want to be the one to give more of his movies a chance and again great like to death is awesome but so this this might help with that a little bit. This is only his second feature film. Um, he grew up during the Second World War, got into cinema at a very young age. I think it was maybe night, early 40s when he saw his first movie in the theater. And it was like, this is what I want to do. And went through the whole thing, like working in the business, doing all sorts of little piddly jobs and, and moving up and up and up the ranks until eventually. And he was making short films on his own while he was making a living doing industrial uh, shorts and, and, and animated things and working on title sequences and so on and so forth. Um, so then he finally made his first feature film, Rape of the Vampire, uh, I think a year ahead of this one, which was intended to be a short and then got picked up, but they wanted it to be a feature. And so the, the first half of Rape of the Vampire is a very different movie from the second half because they're literally two different movies made at two different times. <laughs> um, but it got put out in the theater at a time when uh, the public at large were were rioting and protesting the Charles de Gaulle government uh, at the end of the 60s. So I think that and maybe one other movie were literally the only things released in the theater at the time. So by default, it made a shit ton of money. <laughs> so he was automatically like, okay, you can make whatever you want, except we want another vampire movie because... Uh, 
uh, your last vampire movie made a lot of money. So he was the sexy vampire guy forever. Yeah. But this was his first movie in color. Mm-hmm. And if you know that, looking at some of the scenes in this movie, you can really see it. He just went absolutely wild. And a lot. some of his later movies were a little more sedate color-wise, but with this one, it, it almost feels like getting to play with color film for the first time was the most important part of the movie. And he just came up with the plot almost as he went. Um, there seemed like even down to the animal masks that the people are wearing when they, they hunt the girl down at the beginning, they're very vivid colors. They kind yeah. of, mm-hmm. they, they, they sort of predate the masks in um, Wicker Man by mm-hmm. several years, oh, yeah. but but yeah. instead of looking like these drab pagan things, they're bright purple and green, and there's lots of shots of close-ups of them. And there's shots of the, that, uh, whatever that machine is, that's got all the little vials of chemicals in it that are separating the blood when they're doing the experiments. That's full of this neon purple and yellow and orange and green and all these, these garish colors. And, and all the costumes are these beautiful colors. Even the nude vampire, quote unquote, because she's never actually naked even though you can see straight through her <laughs> gown, but she's wearing like neon orange the whole time, you know? So yeah, this, this being his first movie in color, it feels like a, Oh my God, I can shoot in color and everything else is secondary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love getting the history lessons from Brian on mm-hmm. cinema that, I like that you don't I don't get to hear a lot of people talk about but sadly I was slightly distracted by the fact that Jason is currently on Amazon right now looking up capes. <laughs> he really is. I'm not even kidding. I don't know what color to pick. That's awesome. There's so many cool capes, guys. Jesus Sorry. Christ. So Rollins movies are usually surreal and one of the some like when you think of European horror movies from this time period, most of the movies that are going to pop into your head are Italian and and a few Spanish ones too with Paul Nashi and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. So with with France, they're not really so much known for their horror films, but they have uh, something called and I, I don't speak French, so I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but cinema fantastique, right? Mm-hmm. So it's more of a, a fantasy thing. So Rollins' movies are dreamlike, not in the Italian horror like. Fulci or Argento mood yeah. that makes them jarring, like you're watching somebody's nightmare. Yeah. But they're usually ethereal and very melancholy. And this one doesn't capture the melancholy as much because, again, I would, like I was saying earlier, he's, he's so focused on the color. Um, it's more of a science fiction movie, actually, when you finally find out what is going on and why they're not vampires. But um, his movies are, are almost never horror in the sense that they're scary, even though he made a lot of movies about vampires and did a few about zombies and some other stuff, yeah. but they, they, they're more romantic, right? Like poems or paintings, especially this one, uh, come to life. And they have a tendency to have these strange plots that don't really let you in on what's happening. And they just kind of expect you to keep up. And that's why I'm, I'm such a huge fan of Rollins movies. And I've, I've watched quite a few of them now. Um, and, despite the fact that they're really slow paced and you have to sit and read the subtitles and so on, but you're always waiting for that next hint of plot development because it just kind of feeds you the story a tiny little bit at a time in between all these 
strange, surreal things. And even his cheapest movies, like this one was, you know, made for a very tiny budget. They're visually stunning. Like the shot of the twins walking down the staircases toward the end once they've moved to the chateau. And the, the, and Pierre is dead center in this, in this foyer, right? And there's this huge balcony all around the room and these two staircases on either side. And these twins walk down and the staircases are enclosed, but there's a little porthole window. And at one point it's timed so that the twins walk past the porthole at the same time with their torches or towards the end of the movie. When, um, when the mutants, which is actually what they are, this is kind of a science fiction proto X-Men movie where (laughs) the quote unquote vampires are actually the next step in human evolution. And they live at this chateau in rural France because behind the barn, there's an entrance to a pocket dimension where they can hide so people won't hunt them and kill them and experiment upon them. But uh, the mutants at one point converge on the chateau to rescue Pierre and the unnamed, and I don't think she's ever given a name in the movie, uh, the girl who's the catalyst for this whole thing. There's this amazing shot of the walls that surround the chateau and slowly all the mutants emerge, but all it's, it's at night and it's completely dark, but you can see kind of the railings and the staircases and things. And they all appear as these points of torchlight that are all moving around the railings and down the banisters and, and down the stairs and, and converging. And it's just these beautiful set pieces and everything looks like a mm-hmm. piece of art. Like you could take any frame of this movie and put it, you know, blow it up to, the size of a movie poster and put it on your wall as, as a, as a piece of art. Agreed. I, I still will give more of Rollins movies a chance. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not totally out of, out of, out of the, uh, camp yet for Rollins. I still think there's, there's gotta be some more there that will connect with me. Yeah, like I said, you, you've already seen Grapes of Death. I yeah. recommend Fascination and um, Living Dead Girl as, as your next go-to's. Living okay. Dead Girl is my first my introduction to him, and that's from that and that and Fascination are both in that same time period as Grapes of Death, where uh, it's the early '80s. He's getting more money to make them. He's got he's got a little more producer interference so they're not quite as personal of movies they they don't have that melancholic meditation of of death and eternity kind of thing as as movies like uh, this one in lips of blood uh well this one doesn't even have so much of that melancholy either like i said it's more of a, a colorful science fiction movie but um yeah there's kind of something there for everybody he took a long break um he he made several porn movies as well to kind of finance things is a lot of of uh European horror directors did around this time period, but, and he came back in the late nineties with, with a few final movies. And I tried to watch part of two orphan vampires and Ooh, it sucked. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> stick with the classic period, but, uh, the or <clears throat> demoniacs you might enjoy too. That's a little more of a straightforward story. Okay. Cool. 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 I'll tell you one thing, as far as a, a pick from Brian goes, it didn't hurt nearly as bad as it could have, I thought. So <laughs> I, th- I, I agree. Like when he was sort when, when he was sort of like relishing in the idea that we we had to watch this, I'm like, at the very least <laughs> at, at the very least we got to see some tits. So it's like, you know. <laughs> mm. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it could be much worse. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's move on then to my pick, which is from 2008, Splinter. I think I'm going to like camping. She looks not right. Well, what do you want to do? Turn it off. Get in the car. Pull over. Hello? Hello? Oh, sorry, I didn't... You. from the glass. They tracks us somehow. We gotta get out of this gas station. Wait, wait. Stopped. I think it's gone. Drop the gun. You're under arrest. Get in your car. There's something out there. Watch the splinter. Don't want to stick you. Here. It's gonna get in your face. It's gonna kill us. You okay? Don't touch it, please. Polly and Seth are a couple that like to go around and guess the ages of trees. And while they are on one of their trips, they get held hostage by an, another couple and end up at a broken down. Texas Chainsaw Massacre style gas station. Now trapped in the gas station by a nasty splinter parasite that transforms its victims into contorted monstrous hosts. They need to find a way to work together to survive all the shaky camera work. I thought this was a pretty cool movie. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's a first time watch, obviously for me. Um, I know when this movie came out, there was a lot of of fan love for it and a lot of buzz for it. So, um, you know, I just never got around to this one until I think this was maybe a maybe a Dollar Tree purchase myself. So it it sat in my pile forever, and I'm like, this is now the time to actually finally watch it. Um, very cool, some real awesome effects, and I do like the idea of like these this group of people who obviously don't get along, but they do have to work together to to try to survive. Um, I like how the parasite thing isn't isn't explained really much at all. Uh, the again, the only thing that bugs me is just. It's overuse of the shaky camera work when all the action's going on because you don't get to see shit when that's happening. It pisses me off. Uh, but what'd you guys think? I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I, I sort of can tell like how a movie's going to be if Nikki comes in and it's a podcast movie and she actually watches it with me. <laughs> and she lasts all the way Did she watch and- Nude Vampire with you? No. no. <laughs> Boo! Th- th- this was the only one. Um, and I did not look at any trailers. I did not read anything about it. All I knew was the year. And I, what surprised me that Mike was picking one that was the, the modern one on right. the list. But um, <laughs> I I really thought it was pretty tense. Good performances. And, and like the two, the 
two actors that were like, oh, where do I know them from? And I think one was in like Road Trip or something, some eight, some night or two uh, thousands uh, teen comedy. And then uh, the other dude is the the bad guy was in like everything. You know, he's he's one of those like character actors that's yeah. that plays like a cop or bad guy in fucking every TV show and movie. But uh, I thought it was really intense. I thought the for something that's been done to death, it almost you know borders on zombie type movie but um it's changing it up a bit to have this like weird splinter thing that can go from a dead animal from a to a tire and it you know goes and affects someone it's it's not it's something that you you can't just stay away from i mean you cut the hand off and then the hands after you um I, I yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool, like pretty intense and you know for you could tell it wasn't a huge budget movie, but really well done yeah it's it's not your typical okay, this is uh a weird beast from the forest. This is almost like nature in and of itself striking back in a sense, at least that's what the vibe that i got I got from it, but um. Yeah, I'm I'm with Tad on this one. I'm, I'm I I really liked this movie. Um, just yeah, it it like it borders on you know like zombies with you know the infection and you know the cutting off where you, you know the infection is. You know that's why the guy lose you know, wants to get his arm cut off. By the way, they sawed through his arm with a box cutter and then they broke it off with a goddamn cinder block. That was yeah, that was hard. So that was core. So, oh, 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 oh shit. Um, yeah, that was that was great stuff. Um, and I knew that right away that this was gonna be an insane Mike movie because it's basically one location, small cast, and it's just it it. Cr- I, I always like those kind of movies too because I think it creates this weird sort of intimacy, you know, with you know the small cast and, and your audience. It's almost like a play, um, but yeah, I can't I can't really add anything more than what than what Tad said. I just think it was it was awesome. It was done very well, and yeah, a deputy got ripped in half, and they you know did the old coat hanger tricks and. Yeah, it just worked really, really well. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this movie. I, as Mike was talking about, this got a lot of love through uh, Tread Central and and all the the horror media news outlets back in the day. One one of the uh, in the forefront of we're going to do practical effects kind of movies, eschewing CGI that had taken things over and turned everything into an asylum movie for a long time. Um, so I remember renting this right when it came out and thinking it was great. Other, yeah, it's, it's very reliant on shaky cam. And a lot of that has to do, I think with not so much a stylistic choice as trying to hide the limitations of their practical effects that maybe the monsters didn't move as well as they wanted them to. And so the attack sequences are very shaky cam, but the parts that you do get a good look at look great. There are only a few moments of really regrettable CGI. Um, that, that main guy, the, um, the bad guy who Tad was saying was a character actor and everything. My favorite, 
thing of his is he's the guy in Kong Skull Island yeah. who is going to make the the great noble sacrifice and then just gets <laughs> swatted out of the way by the skull crawler. But yeah, he's he's great uh, in everything. But the the creature idea is fantastic and it does get explained. But if you're looking at your phone in the first 10 seconds of the movie, you have no idea what's going on. But the the couple who get kidnapped while they're on their way to their anniversary camping trip, drive past a sign that says experimental extraction oil field or something to that effect. So mm. it, they're, they're dropping this little hint, that this, whatever this strange spiky parasite is, has been drilled up out of the deep earth, presumably slumbering since time immemorial. Maybe it's the thing that killed the dinosaurs. Who knows? They don't really say. And it doesn't really matter because that's not the point of the story. The point is paying attention to these people. And on that point, it's a little bit weaker. Um, I, I love an unexplained monster or a very limited explanation for a monster. So yeah. that, that sign saying experimental oil field, that's cool. That's, you know, that, that kind of style goes all the way back to the, the weird tales stuff in the thirties, you know, that you don't have to explain everything and that's fine. But then the thing that you're given to focus on really has to carry the weight. And the two good main characters, the couple who are on their anniversary trip are great. And even the tweaky, uh, meth fiend girl who thinks the raccoon they ran over that's full of the parasite is her old dog is pretty good. And the performance of the main villain guy is great, but I don't like the way it was written because I don't feel that they really earned that emotional 180 mm -hmm. when they're sitting in the cooler and he explains that, oh no, I'm actually on my way to do this wonderful good deed. Like, you've been a horrible asshole yeah. this entire time. Yeah. And you've shown a little bit of concern for your meth tweaker girlfriend, but there's no hint of reticence for you to do violence towards these completely innocent people. And I think it would have been a better, even if all they had to do was make him look a little reluctant to kidnap these people and turn it into a hostage mm -hmm. situation. But the fact that he is just so willing to destroy these people's lives, but then you find out he's going to this Herculean effort to, to rescue this widower of a trucker that he accidentally murdered. Well, maybe you shouldn't look so eager to murder more people then. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with most uh, everything you guys said. I like it. Um, but I don't know how to say this either. Like, maybe you guys have it. And I don't mean this badly, I guess. But, like, when this movie started, my, like ultra low budget alarm went off like you can just tell this is like a <laughs> sci-fi movie like super low budget from the fucking fonts to just the way the editing and the camera like it's because it was because the tent was a piece of shit wasn't it no, well it's it's because <laughs> I, I like how we were talking about sledgehammer earlier oh. but this is the movie that triggered your ultra low budget well, alarm. Well, he hates, it had a severe he hates lack of capes too. right right <laughs> Show me a cape. Uh, no, but you know what I'm talking about. Like this, sure. just it looks like a manufactured movie. It was like a studio says, "Here's a story. Here's some money. Go make a movie." And it, 
And so at first I'm like, oh god, what did you do, Mike? What did you do? And then, but then yeah, the second I saw the Shay Wiggum guy, it was I'm like, oh, there's a real actor in this, cool. And then, but the, but even though I agree with you, Brian, like the story itself, the characters, maybe the casting, like I ended up caring about them, you know, like and what was happening. So. I, I, maybe in the way that Hell Comes to Frogtown was a sum greater than its parts. I feel that way about this one, too. Like, maybe it shouldn't have been as good as it was because it was probably super low budget. But, it, you know, it turned into a pretty good little action film feast rip y kind of fun movie. One of the things that I think can puts this movie over maybe uh, some other films in its subgenre is I like the idea on how the the creature spreads, how it infects you through basically giving you splinters. Um, Cause we can all, you know, that to me, some of that stuff is uh, more painful because I know what a splinter is. I know what a splinter feels like. And I like when you can take those kind of things and, and make them even more horrific. Um, you know, we all, you know, and, Somebody's getting their fingernails ripped off. We all cringe at those kind of things because they're, they're more relatable than somebody's head exploding or whatever. And so the fact that this infection taps into a mental pain that we can all relate to of getting a splinter and dealing with a splinter and not being able to get that little fucker out when it gets up <laughs> under your skin or whatever. Um is I think one of the cool cooler things of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do love the creature and the way it spreads and the way it takes over, like when it's taking over the the uh I don't criminal bank robber, hostage taker guy, when his fingers start bending the wrong direction. Oh, fuck. oh and yeah. he's like, Oh no, I'm just gonna wrap this in a t shirt and hope they don't notice. Ugh. But then that bugged me when they later figure out that it hunts by heat. Yeah. And I was thinking, why don't you just do the thing they do in the second Tremors movie? Because their solution is we're going to give a, one of us hypothermia to the point where they can barely function yeah. and then expect them to go pull the car around. Yeah. When all they had to do was take some more of those crappy souvenir t-shirts wrap him up and they're in a gas station. They're going to have at least one fire extinguisher, probably several just hose him down to the fucking fire extinguisher and run to the car. <laughs> Their plan was needlessly complicated and that's why they all died. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I can agree with that. I kind of thought that was, you know, cause it ended up being more of a hindrance than help there. You know, by, yep chilling him down i, I thought that at right the time. because then you spend like 10 minutes of the movie just going on pause mode with him looking at his thermometer like watching the temperature go up fucking just go <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's a bummer because you know they're they're trying to create some suspense with that but it obviously it didn't work because the plan was so bad yeah and and that sounds like me complaining and it is but like it I actually do really like this movie. Like I own this movie on Blu-ray. I have watched it multiple times. And when you said this nice. was your pick, I was like, Oh good. I've actually been meaning to rewatch this again. Anyway, Nice. here's my excuse. <laughs> so. Cool. Yay. 
Splinter, did everybody get to the Andy, did you talk about this one? I yeah, yeah. I did. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm just getting loopy. Okay, so <laughs> getting <laughs> that is it for the films for this episode, but don't worry. We have a lot more show to come. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, it'll be segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. First, you're going to hear a promo for our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. There are so many great shows on the network, including a show called The Movie Defenders. Movie Defenders is a podcast which discusses the positive aspects of popular movies. There are so many movie review podcasts out there that just spend the whole time tearing down the movies that you love instead of celebrating them. The Movie Defenders, what they do is they take popular movies that have been ridiculed by the critics and defend them, a.k.a. Movie Defenders. They have fun discussions of the movies you love or perhaps make you reconsider a movie again uh, that you didn't like the first time. So definitely check out the Movie Defenders. You can check them out and all the other shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the show, and it's time for segments here on on Attack of the Killer Podcast. First, we want to hear from you guys. So here's Jason with shout-outs. It's time for shout-outs! All right, we asked what horror movies that you haven't seen that's on your shelf still wrapped in plastic, and we know you have them. Up first on the Facebook page, we got Tim Letterer, Brian's old pal. Are are they having B-Fest this year? Uh, No, I think 2022 is the next possibility. All right. Well, Tim says, Survival of the Dead. I've heard wildly varying things about it. And sooner or later, I'll give it a spin. That's a good. Mike has no comments. George Romero is awesome. Uh Uh-huh. Good one. Then over on our Facebook group page. Oh, we got newly attacker Wes Worthing says. For supporting a Kickstarter film, I received a handful of DVDs that I haven't watched yet, including (laughs) The Black Gloves, The Devil's Machine, Lord of Tears, and... For we are many. Lord of Tears is an interesting one. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I can't wait to... Well, maybe Wes will start a podcast and then talk about it. (laughs) Uh, Up next, we got Attacker Brett Royer. He says, I bought it on Blu-ray without ever hearing about it. With a cover this sweet, how could you not? (gasps) The Corpse Corpse Grinders! Yes! (laughs) (laughs) So yes. get on bread about watching that. Some Ted Michaels action there, man. Probably his best movie ever. 
Okay, Brian, oh, Brian size disagrees. says difference. Okay. No, well, I mean, yeah, it probably is Ted Michaels' best movie. I'm just saying Mike gets all excited about Ted Michaels, but poops all <laughs> over my Sean Rollins. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh we're splitting up hey, the band tonight. All right. Feed human, dead human beings to cats, and, you know, I'm there, so. Oh, man. All right, and then over on Instagram, we got uh, Jared Rothbart at Mr. Underscore Torrance. 237 says never seen a single scream movie in my life oh my old school is the best school is that andy's alter ego (laughs) i don't know but i like this guy yeah you would (laughs) gosh dang and then lastly over on twitter we got patrick wisdom fan account at at perky alert matt he says, the Saw boxed set. I haven't seen any of them. Wow. Pat, come on now. At least, at least the first one. Oh, and then. Watch John Rollin movies instead. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, this one's pretty hilarious from Attacker Brian Godsell. He says, I feel like this question is a personal attack on my Dollar Tree collection. (laughs) (laughs) He knew it. That's awesome. He knew it. He would call him out earlier. (laughs) Perfect. That's amazing. So you can uh, leave us comments. You can also leave us a voicemail and let us know what movies you still need to unwrap. You can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us that voicemail. We'll play your voice on the show. We would appreciate it. If only to know that our voicemail still works. So that has been shoutouts. But up next, folks, we aren't done yet. Oh my gosh, Insane's Picks! We are still doing Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, and this inductee. Uh, we are going to talk about a, a Miami-based regional filmmaker with such classic films as Jaws of Death, Stanley, Sting of Death, and Blood Curse of Tartu. Exploitation filmmaker that would break all the rules, mostly because he didn't know any better. We're going to talk about <laughs> William Greffy. William Greffy, William Greffy made films from the 1960s all the way into the 2000s and was a regional filmmaker that would often use the Florida Everglades to shoot a lot of his movies. He began as an actor while at Florida State University. Then he later did summer stock before taking his turn into a screenwriter. He wrote his first movie in 1963 called The Checkered Flag. The director of the film became sick and could not do the movie, so William took over in the director's chair. Not having any experience behind the camera, he basically learned his craft as he went along. His next movie was another race car flick called Racing Fever in 1964. After that was his first horror film, Sting of Death, in 1966, which is... The Jilla Jolla Jellyfish. That's right. Uh, Sting of Death is kind of more, feels like more of a low-budget 1950s monster movie that was made in the mid-60s. Sting of Death is about a half-man, half-jellyfish monster that goes out and takes revenge on the people that mocked mocked him by experimenting with deadly jellyfish. 
He attacks a bunch of cool cat swinging 60s teens in between all of their go-go dancing parties. Uh, my favorite thing about Sting of Death is the, the jellyfish monster suit him, <laughs> itself, which is basically just a wetsuit with flippers um, and a beach ball head that you can clearly see the man's real head inside. This film also is noted with having Neil Sedaka, who recorded a pop dance song called Do the Jellyfish, which is featured on the soundtrack. Sting of Death was paired on a double bill with another William Griffey film, which he made also in 1966, called Death Curse of Tartu, which is another one of my favorites of his. <laughs> Death Curse of Tartu is about a group of student archaeologists that venture into the Florida Everglades to look for fossils, but come across an area cursed by a Native American witch doctor. And it was based... The movie is based on a script that was written in one night, and the film was shot in seven days. Jumping ahead to kind of stick with his horror films, uh, he made Stanley in 1972. Now, Stanley is about a young Indian man who uses rattlesnakes to take revenge on all those he believed that had wronged him. On the set of Stanley, William wanted to, one of his actors to swim in a pool with live rattlesnakes. Uh, the actor didn't want to do it, refused to do it, so to compromise, William told the actor that they were just going to use rubber rattle, rubber snakes instead. And so they called action, and William decided uh, to get a better performance, he decided to then throw live rattlesnakes in anyway. In 1974, he made a horror film starring William Shatner called Impulse. Now, Impulse is a movie about a paranoid leisure suit-wearing con man gigolo named Matt Stone, who seduces lonely William women, steal their savings via investment scams, and then kills them. When he begins seeing an attractive widow, her daughter Tina becomes suspicious of his motives. Now, William Graffy was able to get William Shatner for this movie when he happened to run into him at the Miami International Airport. Now in his 90s, William is still going strong, working on stuff all the way, all the way up until like 19, or 2019. If you want to learn more about him, there's a documentary out there called uh, From the Swamp, the films of William Graffy. So, for this episode of Insane's Picks, we induct William Grefke into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. Woo-woo! So, so Brian, you're a, you like William Grefke too, huh? I do, and now I feel like you just had me on this episode, uh. so you'd have someone else on the show who <laughs> knew who that was when you did. <laughs> exactly. I was kind of hoping. I mean, I, 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 knew, I knew better, but... I was kind of hoping. Yeah, I, I discovered him uh, when I bought uh, blind bought the Something Weird Video Double Feature DVD of uh, De- Sting of Death and, and Death, Death Curse, Curse. Tartu. Me too. Yeah. That's how I first discovered him too. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I th- I want to say I think I've seen Impulse like years ago, but and then really never made the connection until I started really after seeing those two movies, kind of digging into his filmography. I've also seen. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the title, but the the movie he did with Richard Jekyll, the the Willard knockoff with the shark. Oh, uh, uh, Jaws of Death, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh yeah. 
Okay, so that is it, folks. That is this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Special thanks to our buddy Brian for being on. Woo! Thanks for having me. Finally got you on an unwrapping episode. Yeah, stop with those pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, yeah, and, and we're not encouraging anyone who wants to be on an unwrapping episode to unwrap also true. yourself. Also true. <laughs> but dude, you're always writing and stuff. What are you in? What is, what's been out lately? Oh, uh, yeah. Still writing for Scream Magazine. You can check all that stuff out at ScreamHorrorMag.com. I'm not in the latest issue, but I Bullshit. probably will have something in the one coming up. I don't know. Uh, you can also find me on Amazon with uh, on my author page for the short stories I've had published. Uh, Brian Clark. You can just search that author name. And, and as Tad informed me, <laughs> there is another Brian Clark spelled the same way who writes gay erotica. That's not Damn. me. Um, not, <laughs> not that, that sure. I, if you, if you like gay erotica, be, you know yeah. that that's that's awesome, and I yes, I will gladly write a commission story. Uh, but, <laughs> Give but, the old but college try there, pal. <laughs> yeah, but but that is not currently what I do. I just write horror stories um, out in several different anthologies, and I have a self-published one that's just uh, out on Kindle. Uh, and, or you can check me out at ScreamHorrorMag.com. Yay! All right, so thank uh, thanks everybody out there for listening. We will talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? Attack of the Killer Podcast.